gloomy, mostly Euclidean confines of Castle Gormagon, upon the lofty wind-blasted heights of the Plateau of Lang, I am Confucius the Ecumenical Volgi, and this is Radio Gormagon. Hello, everyone. This is Gore T, and I'm here with Pewter walking around the castle and uh, noticed a whole bunch of graduation banners hanging around the castle. And we figured it might be good for us to talk about a little advice that we could give to uh, college graduates, both maybe touch on it as far as in the circumstances of COVID-19, but maybe also touch on some more broader issues for how we see how we see uh, things playing out for college graduates and, and the challenges that they face coming into the working world. GP, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, I guess. I mean, you know, I the same thing. I was a little surprised because I didn't know we had anybody who was graduating from college in the castle, but I guess it must be some of the helps kids. And it's, you know, it's been kind of, I thought they'd either be, you know, it's, I think a lot of them left this weekend anyway to go participate in the riots. You know, not that they agree with anything, but I think they're just down there rioting for the hell of it because that's kind of what they do in their off time. But that be that as it may, you know, it's it is graduation season, and you know, my oldest uh, graduated. Well, he graduated in December, but there was no ceremony in December, so the December was supposed to, the ceremony was supposed to be in May, and it's not. Now they had one for the honors college online uh, that we did. It was very nice. It was just a little different, a little weird. Um, and then they're apparently doing one at the end of August now, if it ever, you know, if we ever get back to that. So, you know, I guess I'd start by saying <clears throat> to the grads, yeah, it really sucks. You know, it sucks to have graduated this year because you didn't really get the graduation experience. Um, you didn't get to finish your second semester, many of you. Um, and it's just, yeah. You guys have been robbed so many ways. This generation has been robbed so many ways that my generation never was. We had different things that went on and different worries. But you guys have sort of been, the millennials and the the Zoomers, I guess, have sort of been stomped on by government, finance, and now the Ronas, um, and also in this part by government. But um, yeah, I just wanted to, give a shout out to everybody who's graduating this year that it sucks and we know it, you know, we can get into more advice as we go down, but just thought that would be what I wanted to open with. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree that, you know, they've been through a lot. This, it really does suck. It's a terrible circumstance that faced them. Um, you know, I think it would have been nice if we tried to maybe do something for them, but in the end, uh, you know, we'll be safe and we'll avoid graduation, you know, mass ceremony, things like that. Um, but to some degree, I'm, I'm more sad that they didn't get the experience. But at the same time, you know, now almost 30 years out of college, I don't remember my graduation. And uh, or the circum, you know, the parties or whatever around it. Um, a whole lot. And then when I got my master's degree, I didn't even go to that graduation. Um, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure that that, that the ceremony itself is what's important, but it's more that I don't think they got a closure to the college experience and, you know, kind of closing out that four, five, six years at, at an institution with your friends and, both the social aspect and then hopefully, you know, some of the academic aspects as well and transitioning into the working world, not in a virtual way. I mean, I can't, I really can't imagine having to sit here on virtual Zoom, like Zoom calls and interview for jobs. And I'll tell you, my company's hiring people and onboarding them via Zoom. And we're not like, you don't meet them in person until we return to whatever normal will be. It's just a weird experience for them, I think. And 
you know, I think you're dealing with some of the more fortunate grads right now. I mean, I was reading, well, I, to circle back on something you were talking about that I just wanted to touch on briefly was you were right. I think, I think a large part of the difficulty here is that there was no closure. Um, the kids didn't get a chance to say goodbye. And I think that's really missing that opportunity to say goodbye to your friends who you're, you're never going to see again. Right. I mean, they're your, they were your friends. I mean, like I can't, I don't keep in touch with my college friends at all. Hardly. I mean, I could call them, but you know, I follow them on Facebook, which I'd never get on, but you know, it's like my high school friends are the ones I was closest to. Um, as we all know, because two of them are gourmands. Um, but it's, that was a very difficult thing. Now <clears throat> onto the work environment, they're graduating into the teeth of the worst recession since the great depression. And we can argue about whose fault it is, if it's anybody's fault and all that, but that's not really what we're here to do. I just like to say out loud that, man, you guys got shafted. And, you know, while Gortiz company is hiring, many are not. I mean, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal or New York Times business section today that Google rescinded offers to a bunch of contract workers, 2,000 contract workers just said, nope, we don't need you. Um, you know, and they've said we're scaling back our hiring. And you know, when a company as big as Google that should be doing relatively well, I mean, I know ad revenue is down, you know, but they could certainly be hiring. It's, it's going to harm this generation. And also with all the people out of work, you know, the kids that are coming out like I did with a philosophy degree or a liberal arts degree. And, you know, those degrees are worth less now, 30 years on most of them, most of them, not all of them, but most of the, most of the schools are not nearly as good at the liberal arts as they were 30 years ago when they had professors who were actually taught, you know, the sort of liberal, the traditional liberal arts curriculum. Um, you know, you're competing against people who've been in the market 10 years, doing, doing jobs that you want for 10 years. And I got to tell you, you're going to be hard pressed to get in. And I, you know, I think that my advice would be, and I, I think that we've, we've seen it with millennials. Millennials are good at this. But don't put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, you need to learn a bunch of different skills. You need to be able to do a lot of different things. You need to be able to write well, reason well, math well, basic math. You know, and then we're talking, we're not talking about, you know, blue collar jobs at this point. We can talk about that later. In fact, I would highly recommend going to a community college and learning welding or learning tool and die. I mean, I don't care if you've got your degree in like art history, if you can do tool and die, if you were a sculptor, you can do tool and die work, you know, and you'd probably enjoy it. And they need those people, you know? So you've got to think, you know, I know everybody wants to be a docent at the Louvre, but you know, you're not going to get that job <clears throat> and the museums are closed anyway, but you know, it's, it's, you've got to expand your horizons. And I say, this is a person who is lousy, at expanding his horizons. So that, that's, that would be, yeah, exactly. Got to stay in the box. That would be like my, my one piece of advice. I think my biggest piece of advice was, you know, acknowledge that it sucks for you guys and say, you got to do everything you can to get a job because you don't want to be living in your parents' basement forever because that sucks worse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin it slightly different. I like the way you ended that, Peter, if, with the acknowledge that it sucks, but don't dwell on it. Like the worst thing you can do is sit there and dwell and become someone who is, who allows the situation to become your defining thing. That all you do is go around and complain that my life sucks because of Corona and, and all the shutdown and everything that happened around it. Because in the end, where's that going to get you? Nowhere. So I actually think that, you know, the next, I don't know, three to six months, depending on progression with it, is going to be bad. Right. It's the job market is going to be kind of quiet. Uh, it's going to be hard to do things. You're going to have to pick up whatever you can for work, like Peter's kind of alluding to. But I think after that, I think there's a real chance it's going to explode because of uh, new and changing ways of doing business that this has dealt us. Um, and and not that I would advocate this, but consider, I think there's companies who have laid people off, right? It's different. You have to consider furloughing versus laying somebody off. And when a company starts hiring again, if they haven't furloughed the person, 
they're going to start interviewing. And if you're going against somebody who's three, five, 10 years out of college versus a new person, right? It's cheaper for the company to hire probably the new person in the end. And so you might have more opportunities to get in and it might be harder for those other people who got laid off to find a job. And the other aspect is, is uh, don't get down about it. Like, like put all your nets out, use your network, use your, your college professors, use friends, use your parents' friends, um, but work every aspect. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to apply for this one job and then sit there and wait, and wait, wait, and then, oh, I didn't get it, and then apply for next. Put it, put like 10 job applications, 20 job applications out there. And even if it means you're going to have to move or live in a different city or something, that might be what you have to do. But I would, I would embrace the opportunity. It's scary, but, you know, challenge yourself. And it's, it's the time of your life to do it too, honestly. I mean, I'm assuming most college graduates, recent college grads aren't married, don't have kids. Um, if you do, it's a whole different discussion. Um, but, you know, go do those things. I mean, I, you know, both Gorty and I did different stuff after we graduated college. I mean, I, I lived in a completely different part of the country for several years. Um, and it was great. I mean, it was, it was a learning experience and, you know, if you don't know what you're going to do, you know, and you can do it and you can live cheap. You've lived cheap in college, basically, you know, and you, you can figure it out. Uh, you know, go take that chance, go do what you want to do, but you know, go where the jobs are. I mean, go where they are. And you're going to see that. I think we're going to see a reordering of the country, honestly. I mean, I think, you know, thinking about my state, I think New York's going to lose a ton of finance jobs that are never coming back. I mean, those jobs aren't going to vanish. They're going to be in other states, though. They're going to be in Tennessee. They're going to be in Florida. They're going to be in Texas. They're gone, and I don't think they're coming back. Because, I mean, when the big guys with the money move, the business moves with them. Um, Connecticut's going to have a similar problem. I mean, a lot of the people that live in Connecticut are New York City suburbanites, basically. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of them bail. And, you know, I think the center of business in this country is going to move out of cities, you know, and I think you're going to see companies allowing you to, you're, you're already seeing it, especially in the tech industry. You know, you don't have to come into work anymore. You can stay at home forever. Basically, if you're cool with it, you can stay there forever and work from home. Um, there's a lot of opportunities if you can get in the door, but you're going to have to follow the jobs. And like Gorty said, you're going to have to work a lot harder at it than, than we did. Now, to be fair, it's a hell of a lot easier to apply for jobs now than it was when Gorty and I were coming up, typing up your resume, actually typing it up, you know, or, you know, printing it out, but you had to mail stuff in and you had to, you know, you might get a phone interview and then you have to go in, but it's, it's a lot different now with the technology and it's driving a lot of it. So we'll have to see yes. how that goes. So, so we graduated in the early 90s from college. Um, and at least at my college, like, so I graduated, uh, you know, computer science. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say the economy was great. Like, it was, it was a bit of a struggle. It wasn't the end of the 90s when it was kind of booming. Uh, and we had the dot-com stuff before the dot-com stuff crashed. But, but it, was, uh, it was a little hard. And the thing to do... Um, the tradition at my school was when you got rejection letters from companies, from jobs, you would post them outside your door and you just post, post, post them all. And I had six or seven rejection letters posted outside my door, my senior, my last quarter, we were on the quarter system. Um, and I wasn't planning on moving back to the DC area where we all grew up. I, you know, I was looking at Atlanta and some other cities around the country, um, and it just happened that a good job came open here in the DC area. So that's what brought me back post-college. Um, but I was looking for, I was pursuing a job, like, and, and then hopefully a career. Those Don't confuse those. Those are two different things. Um, but I was pursuing finding a good job that was a good entry job for me to get into the market. And, and that's what I think is really important is... Yeah. You know, and try I, to do something to get you into the field that you want, even if it, even if it's, I mean, I don't mean this literally, but like, even if it's a mailroom, yeah, right, some low level entry job. I, you know, and, and Gortine knows this about me, but you know, I was in school, law school out in St. Louis, and I wanted to come back to DC. 
and I applied to a bunch of firms in the DC area um, and they didn't want any parts of me um, because the school I went to, while a great school, wasn't really at that time known that well outside of the Midwest. I mean, it's very well known in the Midwest as one of the, and now it's well known on the East Coast as being one of the better schools in the country. But at the time it wasn't. So I ended up taking a job because, you know, again, I got out of law school in 94 and it was the, the legal industry lags. It generally lags the other industry, you know, because they don't start hiring back until the businesses start hiring back the, and the businesses need lawyers, like, you know, so it's a two, three year lag. So, you know, it was not a good time to be, get hired. And, you know, I was in the top third, but I wasn't like top 10 in my class. Uh, so those kids got jobs right away. I ended up working for the state um, making, I think, $23,000 a year out of law school. And this is, you know, it was, it was a while ago, but I mean, it, you know, I had friends who were making seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year then, um, right out of law school. So, you know, and I was living in Jefferson City, Missouri, at the time working for the state of Missouri, which is a tiny, tiny little town. I mean, and, you know, Mrs. P was teaching in a tiny er, rural school district. She didn't want to be there, you know, but she, we, we both learned a ton about ourselves and about other parts of the country and about how different people live, you know, and, you know, you learn to respect it. So, I mean, there's in the midst of suckage, there's opportunity and, you know, you got to look, and I never do this, but, you know, you do generally have to look on the bright side of things, you know, it could be worse. It could be dead. You know, we're living in one of the greatest technological times in the, in the universe. If this had happened 40, 50 years ago, you know, the, the economy would have cratered or you just couldn't shut it down and lots more people would have died. And that's really, you know, we're fortunate in a way and you got to keep your eye on that ball. So I don't know. That's sort of my general advice to, to college grads. The, and the other thing is when you get a job, don't be a dick. I mean, Gorty has more experience with this than I, but I mean, we, my company has experience with it too. An intern is filing for unemployment and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? kid you know and it's like it's like it's just frustrating it's like i understand you know but you gotta you gotta think this through and it's like you, know, you don't walk in the first day and say where's my corner office and i think you know i think in the tech industry you get a lot more of that um i think it happened basically that attitude happened once at my office and the kid was out on his ear that day it's like no no you're out you're not a fit you're done um, and that was it because we, we can do that. Um, but it's just, yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep in mind, it ain't about you with your first job. It's about your employer. They, what, what have you, and it, it's a horrible thing to say, but what have you done for me today? You know, how, how have you made our company better? How have you brought value to the company today? Right. Um, and that's, that's just good advice for any, anybody starting a new job, figure out, you know, if figure out what your boss does, that's the first thing figure out what the hell your boss does and figure out a way to make her job easier. Right. You know, and that's, and if you can do that, you're going to go places and just keep your yap shut. Walk, watch what's going on around you. Figure out who's who in the office. Don't hang out with the people that are trouble, you know, and but always, always, always keep your eye on the ball. What does your boss do? Make your boss's job easier, you know, yep. innovate. So you, you probably, you know, you're younger. Like for me, I have younger people come up to me all the time. Why aren't we doing this? I like, what, why haven't you asked me? You know, why haven't you asked me? Because yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. You know, I mean, make sure it hasn't been offered before and make sure, you know, but like technological solutions to stuff. They're like, well, they're, you know, they're, example, my paralegal came to me and she goes, we should be e-filing. I said, yeah, I know, but it's a pain in the ass. She goes, no, no, no. There's this aggregator now. We can do it this way, you know. And it's, it's, it's a ton easier and we can just burn through the backlog we've got. And I said, okay, go do it. Figure out the pricing, get back to me. We'll talk about it. And we ended up doing it. It saved us a ton of time and money. So the stuff like that is where you're going to add value to the organization. She made my job easier and it's going to be, I'm not getting rid of her if I have anything to say about it. So, I mean, do you have any experiences like that, Gordon? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll try to, I was making some notes there while you were talking. I'm going to try to weave a couple of them. So, uh, five or six years ago, I went to interview at my alma mater and uh, had eight interviews over the course of the day, um, six of which were 
I'll say from majors, from people that were majoring in engineering slash computer science. Two of them were more business oriented. And at the time I wasn't really looking for business grads. Um, I was looking for technical folks. And uh, invariably we'd get to a question I like to asking is, is where do you see yourself in the next one to three years? And almost, I'd say five out of the six kids, all of uh, said, I want to be a team lead and, and lead a project team. And I'm like, whoa, like you need to check yourself. Uh, like I get that you have that motivation and that initiative and I love it, but you got to realize that three years might be the earliest that you would ever do that. And that would be probably a pretty small team, not on the critical path. So my recommendation here is first, do your research of the companies that you're interviewing with. You got to know what they do. You got to know their business model. Um, I've had, I've had even seasoned interviews where they did no research on the company. And it's a, it's kind of a huge mark against you to start with. Um, you know, you got to show some interest uh, in the company and an easy way to do that is go on their website and figure out what they do and understand what the role is that, that they're asking for, that they're hiring for. The, um, the first I'll say, and, and I think this is true. I, I'd be interested to hear if this is true for Peter in his field, but I would wager that almost in any industry, the first two to, and depending on the industry, maybe two to five years, you're learning. Like, just be ready for more learning. Like, and I get it. You just finished all the school, all the way through high school. You got into college, and now you did four plus years of college, and you're ready to go do work. Well, guess what? You have to learn you still have to learn. And if you don't demonstrate a penchant for being able to learn, it's going to be a challenge for you. Well, and that's one of the areas I I completely agree with you. I mean, I think I still don't, I still haven't stopped learning. I mean, you never really do, particularly in your industry. Um, But, you know, even in law and corporate law, there's always something new. I mean, we do a lot of different fields of law. We end up doing, you know, bankruptcy foreclosures. We do, you know, basic civil lawsuit work. I manage like hundreds of attorneys across the country, which is always a joy because attorneys are really easy to manage. Um, but you learn over time and it's, it's with that, that sort of time on job, you get a lot of wisdom about how it works. You know, and again, what Gorty was saying earlier, I think is critical. Don't walk into an interview and have no idea about what you're there to do or what that company does. Now, admittedly, my company's a little more difficult. We're closely held. We don't, we don't really put ourselves out there in a the media presence because we don't, <laughs> you know, we, we collect loans, um, not resi usually, you know, we're doing like big commercial loans, a multi-million, you know, it's like, it's, but you don't, you know, you don't want to put yourself out there for the borrower. So it's a little harder to dig us, dig info on us. But the best interviews I've had are people who come in and they're like, okay, I think I understand what you do. Here's what I think you do. Is that right? You know, and I go, oh, kind of, here's what we do. And that, you know, you get in a conversation, you have a conversation about it and that you start learning that day and you don't stop learning, you know, and it's, it's cause the business's model is going to change over time too. You're not going to be doing the same thing. The thing I always look for in interviews <clears throat> is critical thinking skills. You know, I ask him, I ask him questions that I try to draw, you know, here's a problem. How would you deal with it? You know, and it would be, you know, and we'll talk about it. And I said, well, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, I haven't done anything exactly like this. I said, well, what do you know about it? So, well, I know this, this, and this. Okay, well, think about the problem I gave you. What are you going to do? And they said, well, I think I might try to do this. I said, okay, well, come pitch me. You know, I said, so why are you going to do that? You know, and and they said, well, because this and this. I said, well, what you don't know are these things. And I didn't expect you to know these things. But, you know, okay, so now here's four more pieces of information. What do you do now? And, you know, we have a conversation and the people, I can tell, like, you can see the wheels turning in people's heads and the people that just go freeze. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. I mean, even if somebody gives me a wrong answer, but it's sort of in the ballpark, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm like, you know, but, but then if you give them some more information and they come right back in line, you're like, okay. 
that person figured it out and it's corrected. Okay, this is a person I can teach. You know, I'm basically when I'm hiring, I look for students. You know, and I'm hand selecting a student because they're going to learn from me. And um, it's it's kind of nice in a way, but I never really thought of it that way before. But that's really what I'm doing. I'm interviewing students because if somebody's going to learn under you for the long term, if not for yep. you, but then for somebody in your company who you know. Um, and they have to, the person you hire has to be able to think. And I don't care what kind of degree you have. If you can't think and you can't process new information and, you know, rethink your priors and all that stuff, you ain't worth nothing. You can be the smartest, you know, graduated first in your class. But if you can't do that basic task, you're useless. I mean, you might as well just be a friggin' calculator on somebody's desk. I mean, because that's what you are. It's just input output. I mean, that's it. You just check the box, go down the list. I'm not paying you the money we our company pays if you just want to sit there and do a checklist all day because that ain't what we do. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I liked an earlier point that you made about, um, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but respectfully asking questions about why things are done a certain way. And it's, it's absolutely needed. Um, because companies, regard, almost regardless of industry, get set in their ways of, okay, we're going to do it this way because of the personalities involved and the situations at the time. But times change, circumstances change, and, and it's good for somebody to come in and kind of level set and do a, do a gut check on it. Um, and there's this story, I think it floats around the internet. Uh, at a previous company, we used to tell the story during, boot, well, we called it boot camp, but it was our, our onboarding day for new employees. And uh, it's called the orange extension cord story. And so it, the story goes, I'll, I'll abbreviate it a bit, but small company, startup company, and they have a small office and they put tables around the perimeter of the room and they have computers around on each one. And cause that's where the plugs are. Right. So they, uh, they start working. And they're doing well and they start growing. And so they put a table in the middle of the room because there's all this empty space and they put a couple of people there. They need to power it. So they plug in an orange extension cord on the wall, run it to the middle of the room, tape it down and off they go, right? Now they have power in the middle of the room. They grow, they expand the office, you know, they do some renovation. But still there's this table in the middle of the room with this orange extension cord there. One day, one of the new employees goes, well, why is the orange extension cord there? And in reality, they didn't need it anymore because they had expanded. They had bigger room. They, they didn't need to have this table that was essentially now useless, still powered. And, and so you can be just overtaken by events, OBE'd into doing things in an inefficient or old way that you could renovate. So I kind of like that OBE acronym mostly because it's also order of the British empire. <laughs> so you, you can get, you can get knighted for it people if you figure out how to do it and you're not really upsetting apple cards. Cause sometimes, I mean, we, I've developed blind spots. I mean, when you're doing the same job, I've been doing the, the same job for the same company for 20 years, over 20 years now. And I'm a rarity. You're never going to have a job like that. I mean, I'd be shocked if any college graduate today is going to have my sort of career career sort of arc. Um, it's a rarity. It was, it's even a rarity for my generation. Um, but yeah, you develop blind spots over time. You, you make assumptions based on past practices and sometimes, you know, and and again, the most important thing is not to be an asshole about it. The most important thing is to say, gee, I was wondering why, or, you know, you just sort of say, could you explain to me? You know, I, I've been sort of puzzled about this because it doesn't make any sense to me. Could you explain? You know, it doesn't seem to serve a purpose. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what goes on above you or below you or do people need this information in the process, but it just doesn't seem useful and it seems kind of wasteful of time. Is there a reason for this? You know, and sometimes the answer is, yeah, there's a, here's the really good reason for it. And thanks for bringing it up. And sometimes the answer is, I have no idea why we're doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. And sometimes, you know, when you get into sort of the senior management, you don't lose track of, but you're not in, you're not doing the processes of the people below you every day. So you don't realize what's outmoded, what's outdated, what's no longer necessary. It's like the orange extension cord, you know, it, it's, it exactly is a great metaphor for it. So no, I think that's a really good piece of advice too. But, but the biggest piece is don't be that guy. 
don't be that guy. Don't be the asshole who comes and goes, well, look at me. I'm a friggin' genius. And this orange extension cord's not needed. Meanwhile, you've like depowered half of Manhattan, right. you know, because you just had no clue. You know, you just wiped the company's server banks for some reason, you know, because this was an emergency and they just run the thing to it because they needed the power. So ask and ask politely, but think about it before you ask the question. Don't come in and be like, well, I have a problem. I'm like, well, that's fucking wonderful. You know, I'm, you know, oh yeah, I got problems too. And one of them is you're standing here telling me you've got a fucking problem. So unless you've got something other than I've got a fucking problem, I'm going to tell you to go back to your fucking chair, to your fucking ass down in that chair and fucking think about it for 10 minutes and come up with a goddamn solution before you come in my office again. And, and, that's, and here's, I, here's, the, here's the mild example of that is I will jump on employees that report to me who find some interesting article or this new, like a link to a new technology. And all they do is they copy the URL, they put it in an email and they send it to me. I'm like, well, okay, there's a URL. That's great. Like, awesome. Uh, I can go read it, but I've got 14 other things that I'm doing too. Like, why, like, tell me why I should care. Why yeah. is this important? Like, do a little critical thinking and say, hey, Joe, or Bob, or Bill, like, why should I listen to your, this email? Why should I time out from the work I'm doing and understand um, and dive into understanding why that piece of technology is relevant to the work that we're doing right now? It doesn't have to be a long email either. No. Doesn't, I mean, I know engineers don't like to write, <laughs> but you, you could say something like, dear Fred, you know, because I don't like just Fred or, hey, Fred, I don't like that. Dear Fred or just Fred, comma, I'm okay with that. But, you know, I found this article. It's about a piece of technology that I think could really help us in this process that we're using to do this, you know, this contract, period. If, you, if you're interested, I can discuss it further. I can find, dig up more stuff on it. Let me know. Love, pewter. You know, something, you know, that's, that's all it takes. I mean, don't send, don't send an email with nothing on it. Cause I'm like, oh, spam, click, delete, you know. Early oh. Peter, early Peter might've addressed it. Hey, Effer. <laughs> hey, I'm Effer. <laughs> that's right. Yo, that's right. That drives me nuts too. And this is an old guy thing with me. I do not like, I don't mind people, you know, using my real name. I mean, it's like dear Peter, you know, or Peter comma. But it's like, hey, pewter, exclamation point. I'm like, no, just no. Be a little more, be professional. Remember that the people you're working for are going to be my age, usually. You know, early 50s, you know, late 40s, generally. And even in the tech industry, it's, um, be deferential. I mean, they're not, you are not at the level of your boss. And some bosses are way more touchy about it than others. So just be business formal. Formal is the wrong word. It's not formal. It's just, it's almost like. Semi-formal. It's like a kindness almost. It's almost like a measure of respect. You know, it's like, they're not your best friend. They're not, you know, they're not probably not going to be your best friend. You know, they're, you're there to work for them. Treat them like your boss. You know, right. You know, you wouldn't go, well, I guess they would. Hey, Fred. You know, it's like, you know, or dude. Never, never start anything with dude to me because I will just kick, I will get up out of my chair, Corona and all, go over to your uh, cubicle and kick your ass out of the building for a day at least. Um, but it's just, it's, it's not college. It, it's, it's, you learn the environment you're in and learn what people like and don't. So we'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Get ready to be blown into the heavens. Sunday. 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 It's ground-pounding. Heart-stopping. Ecclesiastical. Mayhem. At Lang's one and only quarter mile Holy Roman Catholic Church, Our Lady of the Evening is going to explode. It's world champion Father John Abernathy with his nitro-burning flying fist, Agnes Dei, at 8.30. At 10 o'clock, get ready to shake hands with the Devil Slayer, Father Bill Monroe, as he delivers his weekly 7,000-horsepower sermon. Late sleepers awake for the 5 o'clock rolling wafers of total transubstantiation with Father John Gabriel as he puts the Kyrie in your liaison. We'll give you the whole cue, but you'll only need the edge of it. Our Lady of the Evening, every Sunday. Sunday. 
Okay, Slay Stack, I know, I know. We'll get back to the episode right now. Well, and so let's pull the thread a little bit more on email. So I have like this one and maybe one or two other, I don't know, pieces of recommendation for, for graduates. Understand that business in general, even in the fast-moving tech industry, you got to read email. Like, and I'm sorry if your generation doesn't do email, but email's here. And as much as you want to do, you know, Slack or these other chat services, we're, we don't run a business on Instagram posts and Twitter tweets. It's, it's an email. And there's reasons for it, too. There's legal and, and regulatory reasons why things are in there. And the chat systems haven't fully caught up with that in a regulatory legal manner. And they won't. Uh, I mean, they won't. And as, no. as counsel... As counsel, they're they're decades away from that. I mean, because it's it's impossible to preserve them because you can't preserve them as corporate records because they're not on your server and they're outside your system, so you have no control over them anyway. So I mean, there's a reason email is used. I I fully agree with you on, on that. Yep. yep. The worst thing ever is is we will corporately send out. So uh, for those of us that follow on Twitter, my company went through is going through a an Office 365 migration. And a lot of us were on Office 365 Cloud. And because of certain reasons, we are moving to what's called Office 365 GCC High, which is government cloud co- controlled or something. I, I Coronavirus. <laughs> well, it, it guarantees that the cloud is physically hosted in the U.S. Any maintenance on it is done by U.S. citizens. Like there's additional security involved. Uh, you can put certain restricted data on it, not classified certain restricted data, like ITAR data. <clears throat> so uh, ITAR's export controlled data. So US, US only data. And we're going through this and our IT department actually did a pretty good job and laid out all these pre-read notices on what we had to do to get ready for it, what to expect. And sure enough, Tuesday after Memorial Day, people are logging in and I see them in the, in the help channel and they're like, my email is not working. My OneDrive's not working. And the first question they ask is, did you do these pre-read steps? Oh, I was supposed to do something. And it's like, hey, dumbass, like read your email. You know, I'm sorry, but that's the communication method. Yeah. And I'm, I got to say about myself, I'm notoriously bad about fully reading. I read all the email and Gorty knows this about me, but I just kind of skim it because that's how I read. It's sort of a product of laziness and ADHD. And I will just skim and figure out what I think it is by catching keywords. And some, I've gotten burned on that a couple of times, like badly, like with my boss is the president. Fortunately, I've worked with him, with him for 27 years now, I think, or a long, long time. But you can get really burned by not reading your email. Hey, listeners, that's pewter, P-U-T-E-R, at cormagons.com. You can email me, and I will read it, probably. Well, except the funny, the funny part is, and this is the joke among the gormagons, is I, sometimes I read my email, sometimes I don't, you know, but it's not my job. If it were my job, I'd be sorting through there all the time. And, you know, I'm generally more on Twitter than email. But it, that's a really important thing. Do that. And the other thing is, God help you. If you are informal with a customer or a, we have investment partners and I tell all my people, I said, you better not send anything to them that pisses them off because I will have your ass. I said, that's one of the few things I can't cover your ass on because they're, you know, they're our bread and butter. And I said, if you have questions or second thoughts, do not send an email to them. I said, you come see me and ask me if you can send them an email and I'm going to want to see it before you send it, you know, for a long time. And that's, you know, and it's, I, I, I've been doing it and I know these guys, I've known a lot of the, our investment partners for 15 years. Um, and they know me well, and I've screwed some stuff up before, you know, and, and because we know each other, you to build a relationship over 15 years. But I spend a lot of time thinking about the email I'm sending to them. I mean, I sit down and I focus and I spend a lot more time on it than I would for anything else. Any communications is outside your business. You better, you better one, be authorized to communicate with people outside your business. And two, you better do a damn good job and remember who you're talking to because if you screw it up, you're going to get fired. Yep. 
And that's, that's just plain and simple. So that's another piece. Be aware of, it's just being aware of the corporate, you know, your corporate environment, who, who pays your bills. Yep. You know, it's, you know, you don't, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. I mean, so you're going to have to deliver customers bad news, like really, really bad news sometimes. And there's, but there's still a right way and a wrong way to do it. And if you're going to have to deliver bad news and you're like two years in the job, you might want to kick that one up to your manager and say, I've got to tell him. And the manager might go, okay, but you're not the one to tell him. You know, you're, it's not coming from you. We got to talk about it before we send it out. Well, and, and asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually in my book, a sign of maturity that, you know, whoa, like something bad could happen. I could wreck a system. I could screw up a relationship with a customer or an investor. Uh, maybe I should check. Maybe I should get some help. Yeah. We have, a, we have a new guy on my team who had a task assigned to him. Nine days later, it comes to find out he has barely scratched the surface on it. It's like, dude, like you should have like in a day or two raised a hand and said, I need some help. And I finally got it through to him explaining that it's not a bad thing. Like it, this isn't how, and, and I think to some degree they people knew employees, new graduates, tend to think that that's how they'll get evaluated, right, for merit increases or whatever, promotions, that, that those are negative. And I had to explain to them, no, like, I don't consider that. If you do your job well, that's what I consider. And doing your job well means doing it right. If you need help doing it right, fine. There's no shame in saying, I don't know. Yeah. I, I still, that's a lawyer cop. I mean, a, a good lawyer, a good lawyer will tell you, though. I don't know. I can go find the answer for you, but I don't know off the top of my head. That's always preferable to making some shit up and getting, you know, having your boss go out and say that, you know, this is the way the world is and that ain't the way the world is because that's going to bite you. And so just say you don't know. It's much, you know, I'd rather have you say you don't know. Why don't you know? I've been hung over the past three days. I'd much prefer that than you lying to me because I can deal with you getting hung over. Because I'm going to be like, all right, don't come in hungover tomorrow or you're not coming back in. You know, it's sort of that sort of thing. But at least you didn't give me a bad answer or a lie or a made up answer. If you don't know, just say you don't know. I'll get, I'll say, I'll get you that answer, for, that answer for you in 10 minutes. I know where it is. I just don't have it on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of time, I'm going to pivot to one more unless you have anything no, else, go ahead. Peter, but, and I think you can weigh in on this. It's definitely more of your field than mine. I would recommend to new graduates to really pour through their benefit plan and really understand it. And if, and by all means, go to your parents, go to a friend, go to a financial advisor, somebody and bounce that off of them because what you can do with your benefits early in your career really can help you set up, set yourself up well later in your career, particularly around retirement things. And the one last piece, and then uh, have Peter jump in, um, save as much as you can, but like live within your means. I would at a minimum, I would stash 10 to 30% of your salary away in a bank account somewhere to start with. And, and then once you build up enough, start investing it and get smart about that. But do not, as best you can, don't live paycheck to paycheck. And, and granted, like I say that, but I've done that. Like there, I scraped, scraped between paychecks a few times, uh, particularly around times of buying houses. Um, but it's at the same time, I was still dumping money into my retirement funds. Um, so same thing, like one of uh, Dave, Dave Ramsey, famous, or, you know, known uh, financial advisor, you know, he's on whatever, one of the financial channels. Um, he says all the, in his book, um, one of the biggest ways that you can go to, to becoming bankrupt and having serious financial problems is not having A, a job, obviously, and B, health insurance. Um, so having a job and having health insurance, and then it says the next thing you do is save. So no, I, I agree. You, yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, I it's Dave Ramsey gets a lot of credit for saying very common sense things, but sometimes you need to hear very common sense things said again and again and again and again. Um, 
the minute you get a job, max your 401k out or 403b if you're in the public sector, whatever your retirement plan, if they offer one. And if there's any matching, at least throw in enough that, so that you can get the maximum match. If they match 4% of your salary, the bare minimum that you should have in your 401k is 4% of your salary because it's 8% of your salary. And if you're not sure what to put it in, just stick it in a gosh darn index fund. I mean, honestly, I mean, just stick it in an index fund and just forget about it. When you're 22, what do you care? And then by the time you get enough to care about, you know, then you can, then you're at the point where you can say, okay, I need a financial advisor and all that sort of stuff. Um, health, health insurance is huge. I'm on my wife's health insurance because she is a public school teacher in the state of New York and they have gold plated health insurance. We literally pay not a dime, like not a dime for our health insurance, which is insane. And it's embarrassing. And thank you to taxpayers of the state of New York. This is why I tell it because they're, their benefits, and I've had this discussion, and the teachers don't know this. I know more about their retirement plans than they do, which is an embarrassment because I had to walk them through, and they're like, we're underpaid. And I said, okay, how much you make? And I walked them through, and I said, you're working three quarters of the year, so divide your number by 0.75. I said, the value of your health insurance package is $20,000. Tack that on. You're, you've got a pension, right, which you don't pay for, after 10 years, I think you have to put away 3% for 10 years now, but it's nothing. And it's a guaranteed lifetime pension that ratchets up. I mean, I said, the value of that, if you had to buy an annuity is another 20 to $30,000 a year. So, I mean, just right there before you get into the nitty gritty on the other stuff, they have like health savings accounts and that sort of stuff. Health savings accounts are also a good deal. I mean, and you're going to see a lot more places going to if they haven't already. Um, where they just say, okay, here's your plan. We're going to pay this much for your plan. We're going to give you X in your health savings account. Yep. Um, and because you can invest that, especially if you're young, I mean, hell go for it. I mean, just, you know, you can be a little aggressive in your health savings account when you're young, because you're not going to need it in theory, if you're of average until you're 50, let's say. So you okay. got, let's say you got 30 years. If you get 30 years at 8% a year of whatever you're throwing in, it's a pretty good deal. So, I mean, it's just, if you do nothing else, understand the, the effect of compounding and don't overspend. And I don't think Gord has, Gorty, and I'm pretty sure no, none of the rest of the, the Gormagans have. But I mean, I've lived below my means for my entire life. I mean, my mother-in-law would ask me, why don't you have a nicer house? Why don't you have a nicer car? Why don't you have a Because I don't want it. One, one, I'm not the type of person that wants any of that stuff. But two... I don't want to be broke. I don't need to have the nicest car. I don't need, to, now I can afford what I want, you know, and it's nice. I don't have to worry about it. I could, I could pay off my mortgage in cash tomorrow. I mean, that's, to be fair, I live in a very low cost, a low housing cost environment. I mean, I could pay it off in cash tomorrow and, you know, we're set, we're set for retirement now. If I died tomorrow, you know, Mrs. P would be fine. She's got her pension. She's got a shit ton of money that we've shoveled into our accounts. Mrs. P and I both max out our accounts, our retirement accounts. Her 403B on top of her pension. Yeah. And then my 401k. If just start saving. Even if you're doing gig economy jobs, you get a tax. Well, I'm not sure that the standard deduction is so high now that you probably won't get it. But just throw a thousand bucks into an IRA. I mean, just yep. put the, you won't miss it. Just put it aside. And you won't regret it when you're, you know, your friends are all gone, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't have done, maybe I shouldn't have gone to like Waikiki for, you know, when I was 28, you know, just because I wanted to do that and be a beach bum for like a week or something. Yeah, that's great. But if you save that money and just throw it in a retirement account, by the time you get to 60, you're going to be able to live in Waikiki. You know, it's right. just, so it's kind of like, give yourself options. And one of the, the everything that will create options for you is money. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that because I money, which is funny because I'm in the industry, but it sort of annoys me. Yeah. But, but it's, it's a good, if you have money, generally it means you've worked hard and you've made good decisions generally, not always, but that, and that's sort of an indicator that, you know, you've done a good job. But anyway, that's a Gort was completely right about that. So that's, yeah. I guess, sort of wrapping up our well, college advice. We sort of got into the, yeah. you know, the business advice, but, I think it's maybe important. two two last things for him on the financial thing. Uh, do a budget, like have a budget, even if it's just a stupid Google spreadsheet or Excel spreadsheet. 
of rough expenses, like whatever it costs for your rent or your mortgage, your car payments, your whatever else you have to pay monthly. Student loan payments. Student loan payments. Like you have to go through your uh, non-discretionary spending first, stuff you have to spend. And then you look at the remainder. And hopefully that's above zero, by the way, uh, when you're all done. Uh, otherwise, maybe you're not renting the right place. Maybe you need to move to a cheaper place or you have to make some life decisions. Uh, but the other thing is for that trip to Waikiki, here's what Mrs. G, and this is actually Mrs. G's idea. This wasn't mine. Uh, scroll away $100 a month and just put it into like open another account. The, a lot of places, especially online places, have free accounts. Put $100 a month into it and don't look at it and let it build up over time. And once you have enough scrolled away for a trip, go take it out of that money. That's kind of your fun money. But ahead of all of that, you need to do your savings. You need to do your retirement. You need to do your mandatory spending. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And maybe we'll do another podcast because we're sort of ending, ending up on this yep. one here. But I do think that I would give high school students different advice. And one would probably be don't go to college necessarily. Think really hard before you go to college. If you do go to college, think hard about going to a state school, getting that in-state tuition. Three, don't take out student loans if you can help it. Yep. Because you, you, they shut down your options going forward so much because it just triggered when you were talking about having to pay student loans. Get kids getting out with $100,000 of student loans. What do you do? Yep. It's usually a 10 to 20 year amortization, uh, but it's, for, it's still running at a low interest rate, but it's still going to kill them. I mean, you can't, you can't go take that job as you know, um, teaching in the inner city schools, if that's really what you want to do. And it's a great thing to do if you can do it, but you can't afford it if you've got a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, you know, so give yourself options by not overspending on college. If you even need to go to college, but we'll talk about that in another podcast. Excellent. All right. This was good. It was. So we watched the, uh, launch today. Um, we're recording this on the day that SpaceX shot the dragon capsule into space successfully as far as I know at this point. I mean, we watched it go into space. I'm assuming everything's still going okay, which was really cool. Go science, go America. Yeah, um, first, first commercial launch of U.S. of Americans into space. Of humans, yeah. Yep. They've been commercial launches of cargo, but not humans yet. Correct. And it's, it's really cool. It really is cool to see it happen. It really does stir the heart as an American and, as just, and just because it's awesome. I still so. geek out on being able to land the boosters and main stages back on earth on a drone ship, which is floating in the ocean. (laughs) You know, and it's like, I watched it come down today and it's perfectly in that little circle. It's like in that circle. And I'm going, so that thing fell out of basically orbit onto a platform that's rocking in an ocean and it landed and it's like landed upright in that little tiny circle. Yeah. Minutes ago it was going like multiple thousands of miles an hour. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, I, I'm like, all right, I guess. But anyway, so that anyway. was sort of a weird end to it. But that was our advice to college grads. Lord knows if anybody who's graduating from college will listen to this, but hopefully they did. And we talked about some other stuff that I think would benefit people of all ages. Save your goddamn money. You know, don't spend everything you have. Um, and basically just be a good person. So yep. that's and we're, that's it. We're better speakers than two-thirds of you would get anyway. Probably. And definitely better looking, so. Obviously. Obviously. Well, until next time, this yep. is Pewter. And Gorty. And good night. I get a permission slip. 